Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The Kiwis watch pigs fly. Considering last year that I uh, DNF'd or didn't even start both races to win both is, uh, is amazing. The team gets two on the podium. Now we're getting on top of it and, and um, the speed that Steve and I have shown over the last couple of rounds has been really good. While the drivers are still not happy. It's, I, was, I was annoyed, I must admit. I was, I was angry with what happened. Um, it was pretty much a lottery. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Jamie Wincup was dominant on the streets of Hamilton. Not bad for a driver who did not pass go last season. Um, well, I've never raced here before, so it's, um, I, I was struggling to get into a really nice rhythm because uh, it's a new circuit. So I had a, a couple of mistakes early. Um, but, you know, Saturday's race was completely different to Sunday's race. Um, the common denominator is we had a, a really fast car, so... Uh, that was, that was where our form was this weekend. Saturday looked like the Red Empire was hot on the pig's heels. Either way, yeah, obviously we had the speed to run in the top three all weekend, um, but both races I've had to come from 12th and 20th on the grid respectively, so to get a fourth yesterday and a seventh today, we certainly uh, will take those points quite happily and uh, get our heads down and make sure we start from the front at the next round. Lethal showed that he was going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. I think overall, for the if you if accumulate accumulate the points over the two races, we were second um, second on points for the round, so uh, or for the weekend. So it's um, not a bad effort, and, and and we're second in the championship now. So it's uh, it's looking pretty good for our uh, the rest of the year. Race four in the championship on Sunday was prefaced by the new 20-minute qualifying, but it seems the drivers were still not entirely happy with the Sunday morning shootout. Yeah, my mum always said, don't, don't have a whinge unless you know a solution. But um, I, I think we have to have some type of qualifying, you know, to, for, for someone to, uh, to, to not be, uh, or to qualify poorly on the Saturday and then have to put, push that out on Sunday. That's not the right way to go. So we need something, but 20 minutes with only a five-minute extension regardless... Um, is a little tough. We don't see the quickest car on pole or start the race from, from the front. Um, I know that's what uh, the category wants, but it, it is a little bit artificial. I think 20 minutes is, is um, enough time to, to bank in a time. It isn't when you've got traffic out there, but I think you're going to have the two separate qualifying for the bottom half and the top half, so I think that'll work well. But still, I, I, like I said before, I don't agree with having two different qualifyings. For um, Why should the second qualifying be any different than the first? Street circuits, there is always a risk that there could be a red flag with everyone trying 110%. So, um, you know, if those guys want to whinge, well, they can whinge. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're only, the only person to blame is yourself for, you know, not qualifying. I mean, if you've got a fast car, get it into a bloody fast time. I mean, that's simple as that. So I, what I don't agree with is, is what the qualifying system was, even though I qualified third here in the first race, 
um, in the old system, I would have started third for both races, which I would have been quite happy with. Um, so having said that, you know, like Adelaide, I had a, made a blue in qualifying, and that was my own fault, started 14th. We made our way up to fourth by the end of the race, and then for race two, we start 14th again, you know, so that's not fair. Uh, but, um, you know, if you're going to get caught out by a red flag or something like that, I mean, you know, that's your fault. And uh, there's been dozens of times where I've been caught out on a hot lap with a red flag as well. So, you know, what goes around comes around. The race turned into a pig pen with the podium filled by Triple H as his Jamie Wincup, who found himself stuck in traffic after qualifying back in the field, made the most of an early pit stop to jump the field and take the win. Um, it, was, it was be calm. We knew we had a quick car. Um, it was it was it was definitely be calm and uh, and really attack and, and conserve the tyres and attack when we came into the pits. So we changed the strategy. We pitted pitted early and uh, and took advantage of uh, of new tyres, got a gap, and uh, that was the end of the race. James Courtney's Hamilton was diametrically opposed to his Clipsal second place in race four. It was more like he was expecting with his move to the Jim Beam Racing Team. It's a very calm but yet very productive atmosphere in, in uh, Jim Beam Racing and, and I couldn't be happier at the moment. Um, you know, this result makes... Uh it uh, doesn't make up for, but it, you know, it, it, it gets us on the way for the rest of the year. For Stephen Johnson, pole position and third place was exactly what he wanted following the strong Clipsal performance. I think this year I've surprised a lot of people with my speed, and um, that was my main aim. And um, you know, if we can continue on working the way we're working, there's no reason why we can't both have the cars, um, you know, the Jim Beam cars on the podium together, um, you know, many times to come. Tires or no tires, that is the question. Jason Richards was eminent that the track shoes no place for a tyre bundle. Friday, last part of practice, they removed the tyre bundles from the chicane. I thought it really unleashed the track and had great flow and, and uh, you know, it was fast and it was awesome. And uh, and then obviously, surprise, surprise, uh, come qualifying, they were, they were back there and some of the drivers, older drivers, thought that was a bit, uh, um, a bit dangerous, but... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are motor racing, aren't we? Sydney will be 500, not 400. It was announced by Tony Cochran this week. The V8 Supremo said the series will now start and finish in the same manner, with all the final sign-offs now completed for the Sydney event by the New South Wales government. So after four races in the championship, Jamie Wincup leads unbeaten so far with 600 points. Lee Holsworth is in second with 498 points. Will Davison currently lies in third on 483 points. His former teammate Stephen Johnson is back there in fourth on 462 Fabian Coulthard sits in fifth place on 354, another consistent performance on the racetrack from the Wilson Security driver. Jason Richards sits in sixth position on 324 points. Rick Kelly is on seventh position with 315. Garth Tander, 285 points. Shane Van Gidsbergen in 282 points. And James Courtney is tenth. He has a 10-point penalty and sits on 272 points. Walkinshaw Racing have announced their endurance drivers with Craig Baird, Steve Owen, Andy Prelude and Shane Price all joining forces with the Toll Holden Racing Teams. Team Autobahn, Bundaberg Red Racing. This confirms that Mark Scaife will have to go elsewhere if he wants to drive at the Enduros this year.
And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Peter Norton and Brian Gunther will join us to wrap up the weekend's racing. And then later on the show, Jason Richards is this week's white flag lap, talking about his weekend and the eternal question, what do drivers want? Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. This week, joining us on the show from Big Pond Sport, it's Briar Gunther. Good evening, Briar. Hi, Craig. How are you going? I'm very well, just like the man who's joining us from Inside Motorsport. It's Peter Norton. Peter, I know you enjoyed your second trip to Hamilton. Yes, uh, I think that the Hamilton race, you would say that it was better, not necessarily bigger. That was a very interesting thing, and uh, we're going to hear from the promoters of Hamilton in next week's White Flag Lap because that was a fascinating chat you had with the guys saying that they went and deliberately cut the size of the crowd this year to try and focus in on the experience and making sure the people they did have there had the best experience possible and, and tried to work on some of the other, uh, some of the other peripherals of the event and said, we're not just going to go and grab every dollar we could. Yeah, that's right. The, talking to them, I came away with a general feeling that they were very sincere in their long-term view for the event. I think their contract goes for seven years, so they've got another five to go, and they're, they're still investing and fine-tuning in this long-term asset, and they're, they're very willing to make adjustments to make it better, and they know that isn't necessarily about having the biggest crowd number, it's about making sure people come back year after year after year, and it's really quite refreshing. Uh, some other events that we go to, you almost get the feeling that the promoters are uh, arrogant. Um, there's a feeling that they're doing you a favour by letting you in. You know, these guys are the exact opposite. They know that their success is the average punter, and uh, they look after them. Briar, you, being a very uh, well-known married woman, made a very interesting statement on Big Pond this week saying Kiwis do it better. Now, I know your husband isn't a Kiwi, and it was very much down the road of the Hamilton track promoters. Oh, that's right. Um, it was fabulous. Um, it definitely rates in, in one of my top five, if not even top three, in terms of the way that the event was run. Um, it was my first New Zealand uh, event or round that I've attended, um, but it, it was great. Um, everyone there, even security guards, like usually, you know, the security guards can be a little bit um, mean, I guess, and um, at New Zealand, nothing like that. They were just only too willing to help you, um, to, you know, give directions, to assist you. Um, they went for the officials. It went for everyone there. Um, it was really well run. Um, at a lot of events in Australia, you can see a, a lot of rubbish and stuff left around on the floor by um, messy fans, but um, none of that even in New Zealand. And mind you, like a lot of the spots, um, because you can't view the whole track, they're very um, condensed, the crowd, and yet even in those areas, it was very clean um, and it was very well set up. The, the event, a, a really big thumbs up. 
Well, when we did see the racing on the track, it was really a case of pigs flying in New Zealand. It was at the end of the weekend by race four, four out of, what, five places were pig-filled cars? Yeah, that's right. You had the, the Jim Beam racing cars, uh, Jamie up there, of course, Fabian Coulthard. So uh, it just goes to show how, how well built these FG Falcons are by the uh, the 888-slash-Team Vodafone gang. Um, I mean, what more could they ask for? They've got, you know, their own driver on the for the podium and, and everyone else behind him is in the same sort of cars. So they just must be just so delighted at the way that everything's worked out, given that there was a lot of speculation that the FGs wouldn't be quick out of the box, and that goes for not just them, but, of course, FPR and, and all the teams introducing new FGs. But um, they've just proven that, you know, they are the number one team. They've got what it takes. They've got the equipment, the resources. Um, everything's just fallen into place and it's only you know two events into the season two events into the season and jay dub as he's uh being coined he is 600 points perfect record peter norton uh lethal he's already 102 points behind 102 and a win in a two race weekend or in a yeah well that's right in a two race weekend is worth 150 points that's a huge lead Yes, that's right. It's all about consistency, and there's really very few other drivers that have had a consistently uh, stable result. Uh, you know, Wind Cup is delivering the goods, and chatting to a few of the teams up and down pit lane over the weekend, uh, they're worried. They're really worried because those 888 cars are simply excellent, and uh, it's really only where some of the drivers have had hiccups. You know, Craig Lowndes is down in, in the point standing, if it wasn't for little things like that, Triple uh, Eight built cars would be everywhere in the in the top couple of the of the championship, and uh, people are starting to uh, reluctantly accept that that's going to be a pattern throughout most of the year. It's interesting, Brian, because uh, when we look at the race, it has been a Triple Eight win for Jamie Winkup on Saturday. Will Davison's there and Lethal Lee, they're all up there and abouts, but come Sunday, that, that extra qualifying, and we'll talk more about that in the second segment, but it, it was really a case of, it was all the triple eight cars just dominating, and when we look at the points at the end of the weekend, it is, after four rounds of the championship, no Ford Performance racing cars in the top ten. Everyone thought, oh my God, Ford giving the money to Stone Brothers. Well, Stone Brothers, both their cars are outperforming. Well, including Jason Bright, all three of those cars are outperforming the Ford Performance Racing entries. Yeah, that's right. Um, actually, a bit of the talk on the weekend was was yet again about how how much Ford must be kicking kicking themselves about the the withdrawal of funding from Tim Vodafone, given that they are the champion team at the moment and, and the leading team and and the best team. So you've got that um, on one hand. And, and, of course, yeah, SBR is outdoing um, Ford Performance Racing at the moment. Um, I mean, you could argue that it's because, you know, Mark's had some hiccups, which um, haven't all been his own fault. Um, I mean, just look at race two on Sunday where he got involved in some mid-pack incidents at the very, very start of the race with, um, with Craig Lowndes. Um, that was one of the drivers who was involved. But... 
I mean, Shane Van Gisbergen, he, he showed himself last year to be, you know, one of the rising stars of the sport and, and he's just gone out again at the start of this year and, and really backed that up. Um, he's just had some really, really great results for, for such a young driver. Uh, he's had a few hiccups, of course. He did get that um, penalty in race one for was it race two for hitting um, Todd. Mm. Uh, so well, I think it was Rick actually, but um, so he's you know he's still learning. He's he's had a few problems here and there, but in terms of pace, he certainly got it. Um, he was up there for most of the weekend, and um, and also the the fact that he hasn't really had much time to dip into the top ten shootouts. Um, I think uh, Grand Prix, which of course is a non-champ round, was his first shootout. But he hadn't done one before then, being a young driver and and um, him not doing them at. Um, last year so you know for him it, it's a big learning curve he's, he's still got lots to go and um who knows he may be the next jamie wing cup well everyone's looking for the next jamie wing cup but don't they have to be discarded from uh, orcon racing before they can be the next jamie wing cup uh, peter that's a rhetorical question we need to take a break here on the v8 insiders we'll be back with more in just a few moments the views expressed on v8 insiders including the panelists and guests do not reflect those of the network thunder media sportradio.com.au or v8x magazine any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Brian Gunther and Peter Norton join me, Craig Ravel. And guys, a couple of issues that have been raised out of this New Zealand event. One... Tyres or no tyres in bundles? That is the question. Garth Tander, of course, has uh, been outspoken over the years that tyre bundles don't belong on racetracks. We saw that whole debate ignite again with the chicane. And, uh, Peter, I know you have got a, a fairly radical fix for tyre bundles and chicanes. Yes, uh, one of the comments over the weekend uh, for people who said that the tyre bundles were OK is the point that on every other corner around the track, Instead of a tyre bundle, there's a concrete wall, and the drivers seem to manage to avoid them fairly, uh, or mostly avoid them uh, fairly well. Um, so it's just another obstacle. People should just get over it and drive to the conditions. Um, but really, at the spectrum, it's really about there's a, a defined line on the track that the drivers are expected to stay within and to drop their speed so they can safely get around it. And uh, I guess really uh, picking on... Uh, sort of concepts we've seen over the years where there is you know, yellow lines or something on the exit of pit lane um, where if you cross that line, you get a drive-through penalty. So maybe if they're looking for the ultimate safety through a chicane, that they take away the tyre bundles, they take away the kerbs, they just paint a line on a flat road and use some of the technology that's been developed in, say, tennis. And if you cross that line, you simply get a drive-through penalty. And uh, you know, that way the drivers can be as daring as they like, but they know that the stakes are high, not in car damage or, or you know, physical damage, 
but the stakes are high because it will ruin their race. I think one of the things in that um, thought process is it's the curbs, not necessarily the tyres, that upset the car so much so you don't have a curb there, you're not going to upset the car. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you want to go the wrong side of the, the magic eye, then you straight line. And uh, you know, just look out on the, on the very next turn because you'll be carrying so much speed. Uh, you'll be down the escape road as well, probably. Uh, but you know, that's really the kind of trade-off we've got here. You can make it perfectly safe, but, yeah, just wait for the, the arguments about, oh, the, the magic eye misread it and uh, you know, the, the extreme slow-motion replays about how many millimetres someone was over that, that line. Um, you know, maybe that is the way to go, nice and safe, and uh, we get the, the video replays and the video referees you know, to decide the outcomes of the races. Well, I love it. And if it's good enough for footballers and for tennis players, why wouldn't it, Briar, be good enough for V8 supercar drivers? Oh, I would have to uh, to disagree a touch on that. Um, you've got, um, as Peter said, you know, you take away those the curbing and and everything, and and you may see people end up in the uh, down in the runoff area. I mean, that's the whole point of a chicane, you know, for for drivers to to wash off a bit of speed as they're entering the the next corner. Um, you also take away a bit of the spectacle when you take away the curbs because, of course, you know, they're ricocheting through the, the chicane when the curbs are there. Well, if you just paint a line on the road, you won't see um, to, to that much of a degree um, such an exciting part of the race or part of the track. Um, I mean, I'm in no way condoning unsafe conditions, and I'm not saying that they were at Hamilton, but you saw some very, very hairy moments through there. So... Um, you know, a couple that spring to mind is with Jason Richards. He had a really hairy one through there. And arguably the biggest of the, the weekend was Marcus Marshall when he went flying through there. And it almost looked as if he could roll the car. Um, Craig Lounce had a really, uh, really hairy one too in, in race two, which I'm sure everyone saw the thousands of replays that was on TV. Um, I mean, of, you know, sort of the electronic trips so that they can pick up um, if drivers have crossed the curb. It's a very accurate way of deciding whether the drivers have um, have breached the, the yellow line, but I'm not sure that taking away the curbs is the answer. Mm. Yeah, Brian, the, some of my suggestion was tongue-in-cheek because if it was simply a, a painted line, it almost becomes a video game where, where it's, sure. the, the excitement would be stripped away. And, and I think you're, you're spot on in your observations that you know, the curbs and cars getting up on, uh, on two wheels or, or less in some respects... Um, that's part of the excitement, and that's what we need to preserve while getting the balance right for safety. Yeah, well, exactly. the thing is now, Petey, that you've brought it up, and I know V8 supercars love the insiders, you know that now if they don't do something and someone gets hurt on a, on a chicane where they could have had a Hawkeye, they will have breached their duty of care because someone's already raised how they can make it safer. The Drivers Association will be right onto it, I can, I, I can assure you. Guys, uh, we also need to look at and mark the final event for Team Kiwi Racing in its current guise. And whilst uh, perhaps none of us will mourn Team Kiwi that much because they've been a laughing stock of pit lane for uh, quite some time now, Who's going to be the next one to fall? Is the economic conditions uh, collapsing in on V8 supercar racing so that the 28 will not be far away? Peter, well, Frank, uh, I'll start I, with you. I, I did my part with Team Kiwi and I went and bought a flag. <laughs> um, so 
helping them out financially, but more importantly, to get a souvenir of something that uh, that uh, will be a, a, into history very, very soon. Um, yes, you've raised a very interesting point that when the field grew to be the 30 cars, at the time we thought it was defying gravity. The economy has slowed. How on earth are they growing when uh, other series around the world are contracting some other series quite quickly? Um, and you know, this is starting to shake out the reality of the world. And uh, yes, I, I think you're right. There will be other teams that will follow. Brian, how soon do you think they might follow? Well... I mean, given given that we've seen the recent developments with, you know, Marcus Marshall's team, and I'm not in any way suggesting that he's the next team to fold, but um, he just had his sponsorship pulled from him, from un, you know, from under the rug, it was pulled from under his feet so quickly and, and just in such a snap decision. You know, he, he was really lucky to, to turn around and get sponsorship for the next round. I mean, and as you said, that's where each team's going. It's the sponsorship. Sure, you can be out there, you know, just cutting laps and you don't have the go-fast bits when you don't have sponsorship. But when you've got that sponsorship, and he's been proving that this year, is when you can be on the pace. Um, you know, anyone's sort of really susceptible to that. I mean, there's all this talk about GM going, maybe Holden folding, not that I can personally see that happening, but there's a lot of speculation. You know, Holden could turn around and potentially pull the funding from Holden Racing Team or or not even have a choice in the matter and, and have to, to stop the sponsorship. So... You know, I don't think we can put the focus on, on any one team and, and smaller, less budgeted teams at that because when you look at it, potentially in this economic um, climate and situation, uh, any team is susceptible to uh, to getting into trouble. Uh, now, I received an email a week ago from some contacts in the United States who, and I, I will say that I've looked for confirmation of this and I haven't been able to find it, but this email said that part of the Obama salvage plan that went to GM and also went to Dodge was a caveat saying that they had to remove excess spending and one of the areas that was noted in that uh, document, it's reported, and I, like I said, I haven't been able to get a confirmation yet, was NASCAR funding. Now, if they're going to tell a motor, a motor company that they can't sponsor NASCAR, you have to think that other sponsorships are not going to be too far away. But like I said, I haven't been able to confirm that email, Peter, as yet. Yes, I think we have to keep in mind there are, there are two themes that will make a team go broke. One is the, the lack, of, lack of sponsors, so either they, they can't get someone to sign up um, or a sponsor uh, can't pay. And in terms of the, getting a sponsor to sign up, really the, the growth that we saw during the off-season... Uh, part of that was built on a foundation of long-term contracts. So if General Motors have to cut back their sponsorship, some of the teams will be insulated somewhat by having multi-year deals in place that people just simply can't get out of. And that may carry them through for a while. The other side of the coin, of course, is teams that may have a, a, a solid sponsorship base, but their costs just go out of, out of whack. Uh, and you know, damaging your car in a big way and having very expensive rebuilds can be the other thing that puts a team into financial difficulties. And probably the, the saving grace coming out of New Zealand is that there weren't any really big accidents. There were no car-destroying incidents out there. So if any teams were really starting to, to get a bit nervous, at least they've got those cars back onto the planes and on their way back to Australia without major damage 
and getting ready for winter should be just a, a normal kind of preparation rather than writing really big checks. Well, it's great to have you both on the show. Jason Richards is up next with a very interesting interview that you conducted with him at the end of the Hamilton 400, Peter. So that is our white flag lap. At the end of the weekend, though, Briar, who was your star? Uh, Stephen Johnson. Peter? Um, yeah, I think Stephen Johnson was the surprising uh, standout there. Um, the other people that performed well are the ones that you would would be uh, top of mind, the people that you would expect. Uh, Stephen Johnson, I think he took plenty of... Uh, I think he took plenty of pride uh, in surprising lots of people. Well, the white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. Thanks very much to Briar Gunther and Peter Norton. Thanks, Craig. Thanks. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. On this week's White Flag Lab, it's Jason Richards. Peter Norton caught up with him after the Hamilton event. We, you know, we had a great Friday, obviously, practice session, and uh, we, went, we went to qualifying, obviously, uh, caught those tyres too hard and almost, you know, rolled the car. So I uh, didn't have much, um, you know, I didn't do a lap in that qualifying session, which was the top 20 part, and so I ended up 20th. Uh, and then I just took a conservative approach and finished up 10th, which is obviously a bit of a comeback. And then in qualifying today, um, the red flag came out as, uh, you know, I had my green tyres on. So I didn't uh, really be able to post a, a reasonable lap time. So I qualified 18th again. And in the race, uh, unfortunately, Jace Barguana ran wide, hit a wall, of course, nature of the circuit. And I was going past an innocent party. And he's, when he's hit the wall, he's ricocheted off the wall into me and, and bent my um, uh, left-hand tie rod steering arm. So that was uh, stopped at the pits. Five laps later, I was back out and sort of uh, driving around the streets of Hamilton with uh, nothing really to play for. Yeah, just, just trying to bank some points there, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we managed to, to hold uh, six in the championship. Uh, so we obviously lost one spot, but, um, you know, that's all, all I could really do. So, um, you know, we, we, we obviously had better plans but Fabian Coulthard I guess who's who jumped me he's got to fifth so I mean if we're going to lose it to anybody I wouldn't mind losing it to Fabian and uh, one of the, the high points of course was on Friday where you uh, were in the practice times or in the, the top couple uh, what was that like in front of the, the home crowd to be at the pointy end oh look it was oh, it was awesome I mean there's no doubt that uh, it uh, gave us a good confidence boost but you know deep down I, knew, I even said at the time you know I don't think we were quick enough and the way it played out, rolled out in the weekend. We just weren't quick enough, and uh, you know we, we certainly struggled um, to find the ultimate pace. Uh, obviously, we're better than what we showed, but we certainly weren't uh, any match for the, the top three or four cars. And uh, another one of the talking points on Friday, of course, was that that pesky chicane and the, the tyre bundles. Uh, I, if I recall correctly, you were one who was saying that tyre bundles should be there. Is that right? No, no, I was, I was completely against it. So. Oh, okay. 
Uh, yeah, no, I was, um, you know, in the in the Friday last part of practice, they removed the tyre bundles from the chicane. I thought it really let the, unleashed the track and had great flow and and uh, you know it was fast and it was awesome. And uh, and then obviously surprise, surprise, uh, come qualifying, they were, they were back there and some of the drivers, older drivers, thought that was a bit. Uh, um, bit dangerous, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, we are motor racing, aren't we? So uh, anyway, so they, they end up back there, and, and uh, I said in the drivers' briefing that uh, you know the problem is that last bundle, you get it out of time, whatever. You hit the tyres, and it does a lot of damage to the car, and it almost starts another, another accident. Of course, then I went out and proved it, unfortunately, and uh, almost rolled my car through them. And you know, tyre bundles have no place on a racetrack at all. So. We need to get rid of them. Um, uh, I know there's some other plans uh, for the future for the track, um, but it's just up to, uh, I guess, what V8 supercars, what the what the majority of the drivers want, and uh, and obviously the FIA as well as CAM. So there's a lot of people making this decision. Were you surprised by the quite a few drivers that were saying that they should be there, the ones that were a bit uh, a bit cautious and saying that they were handy to get the speeds down? Yeah, well, look, the, the, they all seem to be on a bit of a safety mission at the moment and um, you know I mean there's merits I mean it's, it's there was no win-win situation out of it um, you know with the tyres it's dangerous without the tyres it's dangerous I guess it's it, you know the speeds are up and uh, but I, I just reckon it's more controlled um, but you know the cars probably the thought was from some of the team owners the cars wouldn't cop that sort of abuse but you know we have something very similar to turn one at Calypso at Adelaide um, and uh, you know the cars handle that, and it's the same speed, fourth gear. You know you hit those chicanes uh, flat out. It's a very similar um, situation. So uh, you know, from my point of view, I, I, I you know I, I would have preferred. I mean, out of the, the two wrongs, I guess um, I would have preferred the one without the, out the tyres. You mentioned that some people are on a safety crusade. Do you think that's linked to the drivers' association that some people are trying to establish? Oh, look, it's a great thing. I mean, I think the drivers haven't had a voice. So, um, you know, we, we've got some real issues uh, uh, as, and, and concerns as drivers. So we, we certainly want to do um, everything we can to, to uh, you know, I guess, educate some of the circuits. And um, there's sort of a lack of communication quite often. And we've had a number of examples where, uh, you know, there's some um, sh- shortcomings, particularly on the, on the, on the safety side. Um, and the next track we go to, Winton, is one which we feel as a group um, needs some safety upgrades. Uh, we had one of our fellow drivers uh, in the development series who had a uh, stuck throttle, and oh sorry, uh, he lost his brakes, and he uh, had, a, had a nasty accident um, uh, with, without the ready, what we feel, in the right protection, broke his leg and all sorts of things, and then it took a long time for for uh, him to be, um, you know, helped. So. We, we, we know there's areas where you know there's genuine concern. Um, something like this weekend with the chicanes, you know, it's everybody's opinion, you know, and it, and it varied between the drivers. Is there a risk that the drivers' association could be a, another layer of politics, where some drivers want the tyre bundles, others don't? How do you think that an association like that can overcome those sorts of differences? Oh, it's definitely going to be a um, yeah, the drivers' association. I mean, you're always going to have different opinion, but I think um, uh, you know, in its merits, it's 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 there to protect us, 
us, us as individuals, as humans, you know, and uh, and make the sport as safe as we possibly can with the technology we've got. Um, and the reality is, you know, we still race at tracks what don't have, you know, they're, they're still built like when they're in the 50s and the safety's not that much better. And over the course of time, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of, of uh, a better way to protect a, a barrier or, or, you know, the gravel traps and those types of things. So on, on the whole, um, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with quite, you know, unanimous decisions uh, as drivers and uh, you're always going to come up with places like here with the chicane um, where there is no win, really. It's, it's, it's going to be the, you know, there is no, at the moment, we haven't got really a, a good solution. Um, and we're going to differ an opinion on what the better solution is. Um, so that's, uh, that's probably quite normal. So there, um, you know, and, and as I say, we're only a voice uh, in the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole sport. I mean, as I say, there's, there's various supercars. There's the FIA who have had the final say, really. There's CAMS, there's Motorsport New Zealand. There's, there's all sorts of... Um, organizations uh who have to make that decision we're just a voice and voicing our ideas because quite often uh the guy who's making the officials you know he might be a former race car driver but you know generally not in very supercars don't fully understand what it's like in the cars and uh you know as drivers obviously it's it's our own uh, uh merit i guess to, to make sure that we do um voice our concerns and educate them what it's actually like uh, in our race cars. The Drivers Association, should that have input into some of the other decisions around the, the structure of the racing? The 20-minute qualifying the, for Sunday at Hamilton has been uh, quite a talking point. It, it made things a, a lottery. Should, should the drivers have input into that? Um, not really. Um, I don't see where, uh, you know, they'll moan about it. They'll whinge. We do a lot of whinging as individuals as it suits us and it doesn't suit us. Um, uh, but I think that's probably more up for the V8 Supercar team owners uh, and and the governing body of the sport V8 Supercars to make those decisions. Uh, you know, we obviously will have our opinion and we'll certainly voice that and I think we should be allowed to voice our opinion. Uh, but not, uh, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's because you won't get unanimous decisions on that throughout the 30 drivers. It will suit some, it won't suit others. Uh, you know, I, I was actually, I wasn't... Um, I didn't mind the old system. The the, the one with this, the, I guess the what the system we started the year with. Yeah. You know, I had no major concerns with that. I think that's still the fairest way. I think. Um, but in saying that, so that's from me personally. But I think, for, as a fan, I would be disappointed in the old system. You turn up on the Sunday and you don't get to see them qualify. You only get to see them race. You turn up on the Saturday, you have three qualifying sessions and a race. You know, you get much better value for money on the Saturday. So, yeah. as a fan, I think it uh, adds to the spec respectful of what we're trying to do and so you know from that point of view I, I support it my thanks to peter norton there with jason richards we'll have more from jason in the lead up to winton raceway also thanks there to briar gunther we hope you've enjoyed this hamilton wrap-up as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the v8 insiders keep smiling and bye for now join us next week for more v8 insiders only on v8x.com.au